0: الله
1: اكبر الله
0: اكبر لا اله إلا الله ashhadu anna muhammadar rasulullah anna
1: ونشهد أن سيدنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وإذا سألك عبادي عني فإني قريب أجيب دعوة الداعي إذا دعان فَلْيَسْتَجِيبُوا لِي وَلْيُؤْمِنُوا بِي لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْشُدُونَ وَقَالَ تَعَالَى أَمَّنْ يُجِيبُ الْمُضْطَرَّ إِذَا دَعَاهُ وَيَكْشِفُ السُّوءَ وَقَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ لَيْسَ شَيْءٌ أَكْرَمَ عَلَى اللَّهِ مِنَ الدُّعَاءِ أَوْ كَمَا قَالَ عَلَيْهِ الصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ رِيسپكتد الله سبحانه وتعالى has sent each and every one of us to this world, to this dunya. And this world is known as Darul Imtihan. That it is this world which is full of tests, which is full of trials, and in which our examination will be taken. So there is no person who has gone through this dunya who can say that he has only had ease upon ease. But definitely every person who has come into this world will definitely go through some trial, some tribulation, some hardship. And this is the test for us, that if we pass this test, then our abode will be jannat. And if we fail this test, then our abode will be jahannam. However, despite the difficulties of this world, and just recently, we've seen the amount of natural disasters and calamities, etc. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has always given the mu'min hope. The believer never loses hope. He always wins. And one of the universal solutions to the trials, the tests, the tribulations, the calamities that may occur, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us this gift of dua. Kaab Ahbar rahimahullah, who was a Jewish rabbi and then became a Muslim. He once mentioned that the gift of the ummah of Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addresses this ummah in the same manner as he would address the anbiya alayhimu salatu wassalam of the past. And that is, he would say, call unto me, call directly to me, and I will answer you. We look at the quran i majid Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, "Wa وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِي أَنِّي فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ That when my servant asks me, وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِي When my servant asks me, فَأُمِّي قَرِيبُ Then definitely I am close. أُجِيبُ الدَّاعِ إِذَا I answer the call of the one who makes dua for me. لِي يَرْشُدُونَ So therefore, you should ask for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You should have firm belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And definitely He will guide you. Definitely He will answer you. And take you out of your problems and difficulties. In one hadith, Nabi Kareem sallallahu has mentioned, "Allāh alāma min aduukum, wa lakum arzaqakum. Should I not show you something which will suffice you against your enemies, which will protect you against your enemies, and will be a means of increasing your sustenance? Then Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam went on to say, تَدْعُونَ fi فِي wa That make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by day and by night. فَإِنَّ الدُّعَاءَ سِلَاحُ الْمُؤْمِنِ For verily dua, this begging, asking of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a weapon of a believer. And muhadithin explained under this hadith, just like how a weapon is used to repel the enemy. Similarly, dua is used to repel hardship. Dua is used to repel those tests and tribulations which may come upon a person. So this is the message today, that let us turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in fervent dua. Many a time, a person may say, that I'm making dua, I'm making dua, but I'm not seeing my dua being answered. So we should never have this kind of an attitude, because remember something, our job is only to persist in asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We cannot force Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We cannot force Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Our work is only to persist and ask and beg from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And remember, it may not materialize in this world, However, that dua which we have made, that crying before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it could materialize in the next world. In one hadith, Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, that when a mu'min asks of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, provided he does not commit sin, and he does not break off family ties, then definitely Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will answer his dua. And there are three ways in which this dua will be accepted. One is that it will materialize in this dunya. Obviously, we cannot put a time frame to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A person may raise his hands, make dua, immediately his need is seen to. On the other hand, a person may be making dua for years. And much later on, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will allow that dua to materialize. So that is the first way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts a mu'min's dua. Then the second way in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts it, is that in the akhirat, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stores it as reward for him. So that dua is never going to waste. Nabiya Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa has said, that dua is the essence of ibadah. And the reason ulama gives that why is it the essence of ibadah? Because in dua you are submitting totally to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You are showing your humility. You are picking up your hands. You are begging like how a beggar will beg at someone's door. You are begging to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You are showing the ultimate form of submission and humility. Therefore it is the essence of ibadah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so merciful. If your dua is not accepted in this world, then He stores it for you as a reward in the next world. And the third way in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts your dua is that there could have been a calamity which, which, which was to befall you. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala averts that calamity. He diverts that calamity away from you. So in every situation, it's a win-win. So let us pick our hands up and make fervent dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is so merciful. Nabiyyu Akhirin sallallahu alaihi wasallam has said, "Malam yasallil Allah yaghzab alaih." The person who does not ask from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, the person who does not beg and make dua to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, Allah becomes angry with that person. Imagine that—that that He becomes angry when you are not asking from Him. So, what a gift, what a nayma this aspect of dua is. In the Qur'an, الشريف ayat which I which I recited before you, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says. يُجِيبُ إِذَا دَعَاهُ وَيَكْشِفُ السُّوءٍ سبحانه وتعالى responds to the distress when he calls out to him. And he removes that difficulty and harm. And so many places in the Qur'an we will find this. وَقَالَ رَبُّكُمْ لَكُمْ That your Rabb says, make dua to me, I will answer you. And if you look at the end of that ayah, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَسْتَكْبِرُونَ عَنْ who is proud and arrogant of my worship, of asking from me, of submitting to me, then he will enter Jahannam. So let us turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And remember, we shouldn't only turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in dua, in times of difficulty and hardship, but rather in times of ease, we should also turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Look at the favors Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed each and every one of us. We will find a person is healthy, walking, normal, and the next day some sickness afflicts that person, and then they become incapacitated what a nikmat of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a small aspect like health is we just take it for granted how many a time we misuse these favors of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so every day constantly we should make it our habit that we make dua to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just to understand this power of dua and the sahaba radiyallahu anhum were the perfect example of that yaqeen and that conviction which they had in dua and salah once the gardener of hazrat anas bin malik radiyallahu anhu comes to him. And he says that we are suffering. We have not had rain for a long period of time. And we need the rain for the crops to grow. So Hazrat Anas bin Malik radiallahu anhu, he tells the gardener that bring some water for me. He makes wudu. And then he engages in salah. After salah, he makes dua. And in this way, he performs three or four sets of salah. Then he tells the gardener that go and see. Are the clouds appearing on the horizon? His gardener goes out. He looks, he says, I can see the shape of clouds appearing on the horizon. Again, Anas bin Malik radiallahu engages in salah and dua. And thereafter, he tells the gardener, now go and see. Again, the gardener comes back and tells him that now it seems like it's going to rain. Again, Hazrat Anas radiallahu engages in salah and dua. And while it's engaging in dua, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends the rain clouds. And over the orchard of Hazrat Anas bin Malik radiallahu anhu, it begins to rain. Now just to show you how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala works miracles through dua, Anas radiallahu anhu then instructs the gardener that take your horse and ride out. And inform me where does this rain stop? So he goes out and two places which were not very far from the orchard of Anas radiallahu anhu, he says the rain stopped at that point. Which means directly Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had answered this dua. But it was firm yaqeen, firm conviction, persistent, persisting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As I say, we cannot force Allah, but we will, our job is to persist with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then look how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent the rains down. If you look at the battle of Badr, on the eve of the battle of Badr, Nabiya Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was promised that definitely his deen will flourish. He was the last messenger. Imamul Anbiya, Khatamul Nabiyin. There couldn't have been any Nabi after him. But look at how he spends the eve of Badr. The entire night Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi spends it in dua to such an extent while making his dua, his Mubarak, the, the his shawl falls off his Mubarak body Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu places it back again. And like that he spends the entire night until eventually Abu Bakr r.a says, Oh Nabi of Allah, enough now. But just look at how, when some trial, some tribulation is about to face, look at the response of Nabi Akareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam humbling himself in dua before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on this aspect of persistence and being patient with the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As I said, our job is to do, and it's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's work is to answer our call, and sometimes. That answer may come years later. There's an incident mentioned regarding Muhammad bin Harun. Malik bin Dinar Dina rahmatullah alayhi, says that on one occasion whilst making hajj, I thought to myself that how wonderful it would be if I could know whose hajj is accepted and whose is not. So that if that person whose hajj is accepted, I can go and congratulate him. And that person whose hajj is not accepted, I can go and sympathize with him. So, so Malik uh, rahmatullah alayhi, says, that that night I had a dream that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I accepted the hajj and the umrah of all the Hajjis, whether they were dark skin, whether they were fair-skinned, whether they were Arab, whether they were non-Arab. However, one person's hajj I did not accept. Malik rahmatullahi says, I woke up, I could not get any sleep after that. Perhaps I could be that person. Or what could be that sin which that person has done that his hajj is not accepted? He says, the next night I had the same dream again. And then in that dream, he was indicated that it is a certain man from the land of Bal, from Khurasan, the city of Balkh. So he says that the next day when I woke up, I went to that area where the people of Khurasan were residing in Makkah, Mukarramah. And I went and asked them that, is there a person by the name of Muhammad bin Harun? They said, oh yes, definitely, what a wonderful man he is. He fasts by day, he engages in ibadat by night. For the last 40 years, this is how he has spent his life. He says, I went forward to the ruins of Makkah Mukarrama, where this person was, and I found him engaged in salah. When he sensed my presence behind him, immediately he finished his salah off, and then he turned around. When I looked at this person, Muhammad bin Harun, I was taken aback. I find that his right hand was amputated. And not only that, He had steel rods which were pierced into his collarbone, and those were linked to shackles around his legs, and in this way he was worshiping Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. So he turns to me and he asks me, he asks Malik bin Dinah, rahmatullahi, that what has brought you to me? What? How can I help you? What do I? What do you want? So Malik, rahmatullahi, narrates to him the dream which he had, and then this person begins to cry, and he says, for the last forty years. Every single year Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends one pious servant of his to inform me that your hajj is not accepted. Every year for the last 40 years. So Malik rahmatullah he asked this person, that what deed did you do? What sin did you do? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not accepting your hajj for the last 40 years, despite fasting by day, despite worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by night. So then he says to Malik bin Dina rahmatullah that... In the former years, I was a drunkard. I used to get intoxicated. And one night, I came home in an in this intoxicated state, extremely drunk. And at that time, my mother was busy stoking the oven. So she says that, look at you, look at your condition. You are intoxicated. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala destroy you. How long are you going to carry on in this state? It is the eve of Ramadan and you are still in this state. He says in that foot of rage because she cursed me. I held my mother and I pushed her into that oven. I held my mother and I pushed her into that oven. And he says then his wife pulled him away, locked him up in the room. He said, I fell asleep that night. When I woke up in the morning, I began banging on the door to tell my wife, open for me. And I find that her tone has changed. She was harsh. She said, you wretched soul. What have you done? I will not open this door for you. Muhammad bin Harun then asked his wife, what has happened? He says in that intoxicated state, you did not realize it, but you pushed your mother into that hot burning oven and she had gone to death. And this was the sin why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not accepted any of your, any of my ibadah. So he says immediately after that, I broke that door open. I had a axe which was next to the oven. I amputated my right hand on the spot. Then I took those links and I pierced my collarbone. I shackled my legs. Whatever wealth I had, 8,000 dinars. I gave it out in sadaqah. Together with that 59 slaves, I freed. All my wealth, I gave it as waqf. And then I dedicated myself to the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive me. But for the last 40 years, because of this wretched sin which I did, every year this is the response I get, your hajj is not accepted, your hajj is not accepted. Malik bin Dinar says, you are certainly a wretched man. He leaves him. That night, Malik bin Dinar rahmatullah alayhi sees, Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam tells him that do not let anyone despair of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You go back to Muhammad bin Harun tomorrow and you inform him that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forgiven him. And he says the next day I went back to Muhammad bin Harun and then I informed him that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forgiven you. And the moment he received that news, the moment he received that news, he fell down and passed away. He fell down and passed away. And further Malik says that in the dream, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa had informed me that on the day of qiyamah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will ask the mother of Muhammad bin Harun to forgive him. And in this way he will enter Jannah. So this is that lesson, brothers, that we continue ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We continue begging from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No matter what the sin is, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, الذين اسرفوا على انفسهم لا من رحمة that all my servants say to my servants who have oppressed themselves, they have wronged themselves. لا تقنتم من رحمة الله. do not despair of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa taala. إن الله يغفر الذنوب جميعا. Allah subhanahu wa taala forgives all types of sins. obviously besides the sin of shirk, of ascribing partners to Allah subhanahu wa taala all types of sins will be forgiven. So this is the message, brothers, that we turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and definitely he will answer our dua. It may not be immediately, but it could be after some time, or it could be that reward will be stored up in the akhirat, or it could be that some calamity is diverted from us. Now with regard to the aspect of dua, we understand the importance of dua. But what are some of the causes which will lead to a person's dua not being accepted? So the first is sin, excessive sinning, where a person sins, and he's persistent on that sin. And he does not turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in tawbah. So this is one of the reasons for the non-acceptance of dua. The second reason for the non-acceptance of dua is haram or doubtful income. One hadith, nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was explained in the ayat, يَا أَيُّوا Nas كُلُوا مِن And thereafter he mentions the incident of a man. ذكر Rajul, يطيل السفر he mentioned about a man who had travelled a long journey. Ash asa He is disheveled, he is dusty, in a pitiful condition. Ya mudduyadehi ilasama. He picks up his hands to the sky. Ya Rabbi Ya Rabbi and he is asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in dua. But then Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Wa matamuhu haramun, his food is haram, wa much haramun, his drink is haram. وَمَلْبَسُهُ حَرَامٌ his clothing is haram وهذي bil بِالْحَرَامِ he's been nourished with haram فَأَنَّهُ يُسْتَجَابُ له. how will his dua be accepted how will his dua be accepted so the importance of halal to well the importance of what we put in our our system must only be pure halal no doubt no form of haram in it this is a cause of non acceptance of dua so the importance of Getting our financial aspect in right. So so that way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will accept our du'as. And the third reason Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not accept our du'as is if we break off family ties. If we break off family ties, nowadays we find for trivial issues, families are broken. You didn't invite me for that function, so I'm upset with you. Trivial, trivial issues. Just imagine Hazrat Abdul Rahman bin Auf radiallahu anhu. Abdul Rahman bin Auf radiallahu anhu had got married. Why Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was in Madina Munawwara. And Nabi ﷺ did not even know that he got married. He did not even know that he got married. So this is this clean-heartedness we should have. Overlook people's faults and especially be very careful with regards to family ties. And lastly, just to conclude that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made certain times and certain places, moments for acceptance of dua. Places we all know, the lands of Arafat. That is a place and time where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts dua. The wukuf of Arafat after Zohar til Asr as well as the place of Arafat. Then we find that the multazam in the Kaaba, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts Dua at the Roza Mubarak in front of the presence of Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. These are all places of acceptance of dua. And then we look at the times in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts dua. One is at the time of the tahajjud. The time of the tahajjud when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala descends to the first heaven. And then he is asking his servants, who is there to ask of me? I will fulfill his need. So this is it. That the time of the tahajjud. Then after every fard salah. After every fard salah, we take our time to make dua. We will find that the imam will make a short dua. But what is the meaning of that du'a? Why is that du'a being made by the Imam? So that we get into the habit of making du'a. We get into the habit of making du'a after salah. So the importance of making du'a after every far salah, this is a time of acceptance of du'a. Then we find the Eid nights, the two nights preceding the Eid day. These are very Mubarak times in which du'a is accepted. The 15th night of Shaban, Laylatul Qadr, then the night of Jumuah. Every Thursday, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us this opportunity. That we turn to him in dua. It's an accepted type of dua. And on the day of Jumuah, there is one special time on this day. There are different riwayats. Some ulama say it's between the two khutbas. Some say from the time the, uh, the the imam ascends the minbar till the time of salah. Some say it is just before the maghrib salah, between the time of asr and maghrib. So the importance of engaging in du'a in these times because there is a higher chance of acceptance. And lastly, remember, beloved brothers, du'a is such a thing, we do not we do not have to always pick up our hands and make du'a. At times we are walking, or we are driving, doing our mundane activities, and something comes to our mind, make du'a to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ya Allah, I beg you to forgive me. Ya Allah, I've done some sin. Du'a is an open connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. At any time, any place, any condition, Quran, Majid, Salah, you cannot do while you're in the state of Janabat. But dua is something anytime, any place you can do it. So let us turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in dua. And remember this is a weapon of a believer. We should never underestimate it.